Well, I think it was a couple of years back that I kind of stumbled upon her profile on Facebook because Facebook has this creepy thing to, you know, show people's if you're not their friends because you have mutual friends apparently. And uh, I did see her profile and uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of stalked her on Facebook and then I went back to doing what I was doing. I think a year later to that or two years later, I get a notification on Instagram saying this person has followed me and I'm like, "Ah, oh, wow, that's nice." And I think it was probably the Premier League gig that I was doing probably caught her attention or you know, the mutual friends probably even Facebook or Instagram kind of creeped her out as well with my profile, so that's how probably. But here we are and finally I think uh, a year later after that of talking, chatting on Instagram, if I can say You know, when I talk to Des Buckingham, I can tell him that what a handsome man he is. Here we have Juhi Jamba on the show and what a gorgeous woman she is. Welcome to the Totally Indian Football Show. I'm your host, Siju. And uh, today I have with me, not just because uh, she looks gorgeous, but also a lot of things that work. Her work is also as good as she is. So, Juhi, welcome to the show and thank you so much for your time. Finally. Ah. Well, yeah, finally is the word here, Siju. Yeah, well, while she added about the whole Facebook thing, I didn't know that. But yeah, it was definitely the Premier League thing. And for me, it's mostly been about finding out more women in the industry, to be very honest. So every time I come across people as awesome as you, I mean, follow is the least we can do and try and find out who we are. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I mean all the chatter that we had, all the chats we had or even even if it's a reaction to my story, it was quite encouraging for me as well. So, thank you for that and shout out and yes, at the end of the day, this episode is just going to be two women just talking to each other, chilling on the show. So, let's let's get to that. Juhi, I mean for those of you don't know you, it's quite sad. You should know her. <laughs> But how would you describe or how would you describe yourself and what is the role that you play i think um i was an accident to the industry pretty much a car crash uh well i was studying law coming back from saudi arabia which again will stitch into the story a little later but basically studying law hated it all uh didn't understand black or white because it's never black and white but sport is and sport played a very big part of my life while living in saudi arabia especially football because uh, we didn't really i mean the country is evolving now all the sport is going to saudi arabia and i hope i go down there work again because literally there's so much happening there but back in the day it was very i'd say conservative for the better or the worse but i love living there it gave me what i have today which was basically getting to know sport to the core of it because we literally lived off dvds and before DVDs we had VCR cassettes and my dad played a big role because he used to play he used to work with Tata's Tata Power and he used to play football with the team then and uh well he had two kids out of which the boy hates sport or anything to do with sport i don't even think my brother can spell it but he kind of invested all his energies into me and uh used to try and get me all these old games to watch and just tell me oh this is what the game is about and everything and i think i fell in love then But having lived there, there was not many avenues to go and play. I mean, I had to always have a male garden al- alongside me, and I came back to India when I was about sixteen, and I fell in love. And I was like, "Well, this is what being outdoors can mean." And well, then again, there wasn't many avenues there to play. I tried my best at law school as well. I formed the team, and I remember my juniors coming up to me and being like, 
Titi, there's a lot of sun. We're going to get tanned. We have our, I don't know, coming into the college party. I don't even know what it's called anymore, to be very honest. Yeah, basically induction or something. And we don't want to look bad and all that stuff. But well, uh, law school, fast forward, it was the ISL that pretty much changed everything for me. And prior to that, I had no idea what sports management entailed. Absolutely not. Because when we watch a game, we see those 11 players or, you know, tennis, couple of players just fighting it out. And you don't know the amount of workforce it takes to even get that one match going in every department. So to the luck of me, uh, I still happened. Del Piero was in town and, well, I'm a huge fan. So I went and attended every single Delhi Dynamos games. Figured that there were a couple of people I knew socially who were working with the team in the stadium. And I was just like, what do they even do? You know, Because there was something called events, which was picking up back in 2012 to 2016. There was this huge industry of events coming up where there were so many gigs happening. And so a lot of these people who were maybe about four or five years older to me were trying to get into that side of stuff. And uh, Red Bull were doing these campaigns, going school to school, college to college and, you know, running things. And a lot of them were recruiting these young people who were still in college. And so these guys got into Delhi Dynamos through that. And well, those people are really up there in the industry now. So I saw a Facebook post. So Facebook is not ultimately useless. Okay, I think it's pretty cool, even though it's archaic or metaverse or whatever it is now. But yeah, I saw this post post the first season about Delhi Dynamo's needing interns. And I had absolutely no idea what it entails. One afternoon from uh, my law internship, which was supposed to be my final year, I just walked up to their office, met this uh, the CEO, Brigadier Dillon, and he changed my life pretty much, as well as uh, the one man I credit, no matter where I go, everywhere, is Prashant Agarwal, who is the then president of the club. Well, walked in and the brigadier who was the CEO just told me, why are you even here? You know, you're studying law. (laughs) Like, are you crazy to just leave back five years of studying? And, you know, we don't really require lawyers. I said, well, I'm ready to do anything. You know, this is my last, this is make it or break it. And uh, I think I always had the gift of the gap. So I kept talking and talking (laughs) till he, you know, was forced to make me meet Prashant. And he said, why do you want to do sport? And I had that whole story about how I love football and stuff like that. And well, that was that. He made me and the other couple of interns who had joined alongside me literally run through the rut and we did everything, like which involved operations, media management, team management, everything, like anything on the planet and we were doing it. And uh, well, that was pretty much the start of it. And that kind of opened my mind space as to what sport looks like. I've never been a cricket fan, but being an Indian and living in India, I think that just has to be a part of your life. And while I keep saying that I don't like cricket, I I do, I have actually fell in love with test cricket eventually. But yeah, I remember during Dynamos that time, the ISL used to be what, two, two and a half months at the tops. And we had like this whole you know, time where we were just trying to do grassroots activities and doing football clinics and everything. So our bosses were pretty okay with us trying and working in else, you know, any other space that that the sports were happening at. So I think that time the IHL was happening as well, the hockey league and stuff like that. So all of us were spreading around and I managed to get a gig with uh, the DDCA at that time because India was organizing the T20 World Cup in 2016. 
And <laughs> kid you not, I didn't know. After every over, people change sides. I had no idea. And if you're not a cricket <laughs> fan, people still make fun in the industry who know about this, seniors in the industry from the ICC, they still pick, pick up on me on these things that, you know, I didn't even know that. But to be honest, if you're just watching with your family as well, they just go like bowling from so-and-so end. I mean, how does it matter what end is it, right? It just looks the same on the cricket field. I mean, you switch to cameras, you go into a break, and then in the break, they've changed sides. So you have no idea. Yeah, pretty much. That was my introduction to cricket. And um, there were always other sports other than football, but football's been sort of religion to me. It's been literally like in the toughest hours of my life that's just the thing that I do I wouldn't listen to music or other things I just watch football that's just been it and yeah that's pretty much how I started and I, I really don't know how the journey panned through no I mean that's a good start for us and now let's let's help you break down the journey right let's talk about from the last one the latest one I think if I'm not wrong you were covering the AFC Cup under 20 that, that, was, that was happening. Yeah, I was at the AFC U20 Asian Cup at, in Uzbekistan. And I think the home team won? Yeah, the Fortunes had it. And also the team was brilliant. So Uzbekistan's been pretty lucky and obviously they've put in the work to win a few tournaments in the AFC calendar. So, and especially the youth tournaments. And they have showed up time and again. Earlier last year, they hosted the AFC U23 Asian Cup. And they only lost to Saudi Arabia in the final 2-0. So it was quite a dream run for even people like me who work in the industry. And at the moment, I am also like I've been consulting with the AFC for the last three years as a social media content creator and manager. So, yeah, it was it was an ideal situation for someone like me because uh, when the home team you have and. Honestly, I have to give it off to the people back in Uzbekistan. You hear stories from Indonesia, Argentina, Brazil, even where stadiums pack up for youth teams. But this was unbelievable. They say it's packing up, you know, and coming from India, maybe in Kerala, we still see stadiums getting packed up. Or in the Northeast, like yesterday, during the game against Myanmar, I heard the stadium was packed. When it comes to youth teams, people don't really turn up. Or even the female yeah. sides, right? But it was packed. I think uh, time and again, it was just packed every second day. The numbers varied by 10, 11 at the tops, like 10 here and there. But it was packed every match day that Uzbekistan played. And yeah, pretty much uh, covering and following that team. I think Uzbekistan can, it's not just me, everyone at the AFC and all our other colleagues who had come up from the different FAs. We truly believe, you know, we have the tier one Asian teams, which has Korea and Australia and stuff like that. But and then the tier two uh, countries. But Uzbekistan is well on its way forward to become tier one. And that'll be very important because <laughs> no matter how many people. I mean, honestly, I couldn't place Uzbekistan on a map. I knew it's somewhere in Central Asia, but I couldn't place it on a map. Right. And that's what these kids are doing. That's what the very young FA there is doing as well. So, yeah, that was Uzbekistan. Yeah, I mean, because the reason I even took that up, because I think in one of our previous episodes, we've had the Asian game journalist Martin Lowe on the show. And he specifically spoke about how Uzbekistan is doing so pretty well, because while we were talking about the Asian powerhouses and the ones that are doing pretty well, 
he mentioned about how the local scene in Uzbekistan is doing absolutely good things and that hence we would see the results so to see then uh, what's happening right now i think for me personally if i wouldn't have ha- heard it from him i would to be taken by surprise i'm like oh wow and where does that leave us now you know uh, everyone's yeah. making all the noise noise at the afc level and that's what needs to be done so where does that leave indian football now just unpacking a few things about you know you've had several travels in several places and countries and stories i'm sure and i think we can sit here for the rest of the day and talk about it but if i had to unpack a few things and also come back to indian football now you mentioned about how closely you watch matches and how you you really love football so even when you're on different gigs different tournaments i'm sure you're someone also looking back and saying hey you know these guys are improving you're somewhere also seeing they are scaling up right and then when you come back to india and when you follow indian football what do you what do you have to say about that how do you then come back and say and tell yourself okay one day we'll get there but the gap i feel is huge but i think that's something you can address because you've seen some kind of footballing yeah. action in person from across you know the asian spectrum yeah well um over the last two two and a half years i'd say post pandemic especially which has been quite incredible to be honest while we were in uzbekistan for the u20 there were the u20 women's asian cup qualifiers on and our ladies missed it by a whisker despite having two huge victories and it, it all came down to goal difference because of that one one draw with vietnam and uh, when you see stuff like that right it might be heartbreaking for the team because they've not qualified for the u20 asian cup even though i think that three team honestly looked really really strong and a lot of them are from the u17 camp that played the world cup and those girls too showed a lot of heart throughout the tournament uh because i was a part of the fifa u17 as well and i closely followed them and i had the opportunity to be in bhuvaneshwar while they were playing all their home games uh at the group stage so well talking specifically about the women's football angle well we have the club championship happening uh unfortunately the ban had happened last year otherwise they were gokulam was supposed to go and play there are unfortunate circumstances that come up but i think they've come a long way and the mission you know we all like i remember joining the industry in 2014 and it was just like oh it's just the next 10 years we're going to be at the world cup you know and it we are just a year short of 10 years and i don't think we are anywhere close to it at the moment but having said that at the asian level though qualifications are coming we, i mean the u17 men's team had qualified u16 actually for the u17 competition had qualified top of the group so we do have stories like that coming and that's the youth system is what actually will make the difference because when we look at our senior side whether it be the women's or the men's and typically i mean for the betterment of the audience who know the men's side better you look at the lineup kids okay? it's it's quite an iconic lineup but it's also a lineup that we might not see post the asian cup a lot of these players are just going to retire and what's yeah. next you know what's happening next and while the isl is expanding and uh, well i'm not going to get into who's qualifying who's not qualifying those those technicalities are yet to be ascertained by the authorities and by the confederations not i'm just happy it's happening it might happen this year it might happen next year i'm just i'm just happy that that's happening but at the same time i think i league is a great system for you know all of this to really 
come together because you see more of these young players coming off I-League than ISL. But having said that, Mumbai City FC and Hyderabad have shown great examples of younger players coming regionally from the regions, even Kerala Blasters for that matter. But then again, I think for personally, and this is completely a personal opinion, I don't see a lot of the translation of these youth side national team players coming into the fold, which mm-hmm. technically, again, not my department because I work more towards the social media and marketing side of things. And honestly, I've been out of touch with uh, a lot of these player agents that I used to be friends with earlier. But I do fail to understand why do these players just, you know, fade away. There are only a few that have made it. Like, Amarjit Kiam has become a mainstay. And was that him that scored yesterday? I think he did. I think I'll have to put it up and check, yeah. I missed the game, <laughs> so I'll have to put it up and check. Uh, yeah, I think he did. Um or was it Anirudh? But one of the two. Anyway. It was Thapa. It was actually Thapa. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was Thapa. Yeah. I'm, I always get mixed up with their names. I'm so sorry <laughs> to both of them. But yeah, I think that that's what's not translating into the senior team at the moment. Uh, we have Bibiano at the junior level and he's been around, if I'm not mistaken, since 2018 with the U16, U17 side for the boys. And he's put in a lot of work, unspoken heroes of Indian football at the moment, to be honest. And you can see the work because while they had qualified for the Malaysia U17, they've consistently qualified after as well. So they'd qualified for 2020 as well, which got cancelled because of the pandemic. And they've qualified again at top of the group. So, I mean, you can see the work being put in, but how does that translate is what's concerning still. Because uh, you and it's not just India, to be honest. I mean, we can, you know, pick apart our issues and everything. But you see the similar issues happening in established outfits like Australia. We witnessed that with Saudi Arabia just now. Saudi Arabia went ahead and won the U23 Asian Cup. But the U20 level, honestly, initially, we all chalk out our favorites, right? You don't really know U20 players. So... That's why it's very exciting to work on these youth tournaments because you're literally, you can't just Google search these players and they'll turn up. And you can't really find out their stats as easily. Maybe four or five out of them through the team, but not everyone. So we literally, we picked our favorites and obviously Japan, Korea, Saudi Arabia, Australia, these guys come up, Iran. But that team didn't look like the U23 team at all. Like the U23 team, the first couple of games and we knew they're, you know, onto something big here. But as opposed to that, again, Australia had the big guns this time. But usually, if you see through all competitions, the youth team isn't as great. So it's not always the youth problem that will solve your senior team issues because the Australian senior team is very strong. So we, yeah. it also translates into what our players are doing throughout the year. I think that's what's more critical. And that's something that the Aussie players are struggling with as well, the youth players. So then they get picked out from, you know, so-and-so clubs that are playing at the A-League and stuff like that. But the same thing, I've had the privilege of knowing certain players who are towards the flag end of their careers now because we kind of grew up together. And uh, But I also have the privilege of knowing these players who are still 20, 21 years old. And some of them are extremely lucky to be playing the ISL or even the I-League. But then there's some who when the whole shift with the I-League and ISL happened, lost out and have gone down to be, uh, they're playing for the forces now, for the Naval Academies. And also the boys have responsibilities, right? So do the girls. I mean, but I'm 
currently just speaking about the boys teams and while they still you know still have they still have it in them to play at the ISL level but the opportunity doesn't exist for whatever reason a lot of them have sat on the benches for a couple of years and now don't have a contract and that's talent loss so it's while india's doing brilliantly i i really think we're doing really really well i don't know names and even if i do i'm not going to take them but a lot's changed we had, we have a lot more exposure tours happening more than ever i mean our girls went to scandinavia to go and play and you know played some spectacular games there and came back with marginal defeats like 1-0 or 2-0 which is pretty big for our girls and you know there were times when we used to speak about just aditi chohan and bala devi now bala devi has come to odisha fc right and uh, so the club championship is also expanding for the ladies as well it's just that i'd say this has only started the last couple of years post pandemic where things have started to enlarge where players can still play throughout the year which wasn't happening before so i think that's the big shift and that's sort of translating into our qualifications and where our players stand in today's day and age but it's also concerning to look at what happens to the senior team and uh, i think it's very important to integrate more of our own indian homegrown coaches who understand i know we have uh, our assistant coaches and st- stuff but they need to have a louder sense of uh, responsibility in the team at any level uh for any gender cuz at the end of the day it's not just what i have personally seen it's not just how good the players are it's also understanding where they come from what they eat what they feed on funny stories <laughs> when i was back at dynamos i remember there were a couple of players and they used to sneak around because that was the first introduction of what fitness meant for indian football honestly i league had it i'm not saying that we didn't but strengthening and conditioning and diet was introduced at that level for the first time and uh, i used to have a couple of players come back to me and like uh, can we please get a green chili or you know can we please get sneak in some salt and stuff like that or can you get us ketchup cuz they weren't used to eating what they were being served right but as much as nutrition is important these players have become these players by eating for example they come from punjab they've been they've been raised on safed makkhan and parathas they come from kerala they've been raised on like proper nutritious fibrous rice and not basmati but <laughs> like biryanis but still and that was their diet that's why they're strong and that's how so there are ways that can be formulated and that's what's going to change because it needs to be at every level of understanding it's not just play and scouting it also has to we need also need to understand where our players come from and that's going to create a holistic approach but then again i i do think we, now maybe okay i'm 31 now maybe by the time i'm 41 we will somehow come closer in the qualifiers cuz uh, the work is happening and um maybe sooner maybe in two more world cup cycles maybe sooner at least i think we made it to the third round even the last cycle and which is how we got our asian cup qualification as well but then again that's dependent on a lot of these players who are towards the late 20s early 30s most of them yeah, so yeah. not a great lot to depend on when you want to see towards the future yeah i think i i like the fact that how we kind of you know for the last 23 min- minutes it was a beautiful monologue i would say but how you kind of touched upon a lot of things and uh, kind of packaged the whole technical aspect of 
the sport. So let me come back to the individual story here. Uh, let's keep what's happening otherwise on onto the side. So few things, you know, I'm going to just throw at you some questions with regards to okay. starting off with what was the most uh, the tournament or an event that you covered that you completely hold very special and you cherished that whole journey and you still hold it very close to your memories and stuff. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be football alone because I'm I know you've covered cricket as well. So it could be any sport that you've done. I think I'll circle back to the 2018. Can I name two? Yeah, yeah, please go for it. <laughs> okay, I'll say for, for men's, I'd circle back to 2018 uh, U17 AFC Asian Cup, which is where I saw an Indian side, a youth Indian side, play for the very first time. And uh, it was very special because that was my first AFC tournament as well. But back then, I used to work in the commercial side of things. So I remember, you know, on the benches when we put flags and the team names, I remember pasting that on the bench and what I felt on that particular day. Unfortunately, I didn't really get to do too many of the games because I was at another stadium. But I did go and attend uh, Malaysia versus India, which was Malaysia's home game. And... I've never felt anything like it because big shout out to Manjapara here. They've they've created most of the experiences for me because even in Malaysia, I found like 20 of them and I, I told my boss, I'm off today. I'm going to go and stand with them and just, just soak it in to see these young little boys, literally boys, they're not even adults, play for their country, a country that I share. So I think that's the first one. But on a more holistic level of work, feelings, Generally, what was happening in my life was the Women's Asian Cup that happened uh, earlier last year. It was uh, quite personally damaging to know that India couldn't play because of COVID. And especially because I recovered from COVID three days before entering the tournament. And the cases in India had peaked. And uh, we were literally in a bubble so much so that we had a food set up, but they asked us to take our food and go and eat back in the room, despite mm-hmm. of being in a bubble, because the virus was still spreading with everyone. So while India exited, and it took a big toll on me mentally as to how to proceed, because working at this level, you have to be neutral. But at the end of the day, there is a little heartbeat in there, which says India. But we had to go on and... Uh, I relived the whole experience. I know it was in India with Team Philippines. They mm-hmm. qualified for the World Cup for the very first time. Yeah. I mean, not just that. They qualified to the quarterfinals of the Asian Cup for the very first time. Yeah. And just living the experience with that set of women was pretty incredible. And, you know, we, we at least since I started watching women's football, which was much later in life than as compared to when I started watching men's football, to see Sam Kerr playing there or, you know, Shinchan playing there. And it was quite incredible, but it was the Philippines, the team Philippines and what they created and what it meant for them. And honestly, uh, I think everyone should watch out for their captain, Anise. I don't know if she'll still be captain. She's number 11 for team Philippines. I think she's going to be quite a star coming down later this year in uh, New Zealand and Australia at the World Cup. And yeah, pretty much these two tournaments. One, because it was my first, but second one, purely because of all the challenges that we faced and 
we had some incredible play by teams that are not set to be that big in the Asian context or even at the world context. So we also had great matches played by Vietnam as well, despite them losing to Australia the way they did. No, that was Indonesia, sorry. But yeah, Vietnam qualifying later through the qualifiers as well. So we have five Asian teams there now at the Women's Asian World Cup. And I'm hoping I'd be there later this year as well. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the, the the second moment, something that you shared very personally, you being there, and I'm sure that's something a huge setback for everyone watching it as well, because it was yeah. happening in our country and the host nation has had to be kicked off that way. So definitely it's going to have mixed emotions. But uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for sharing all those names. We'll definitely keep a check and on that as well. Now, coming towards the end of business here, I'm sure I think it's a rhetorical question here, but still I would like to ask you because you've been on the job on your toes, literally. What's the most exciting part of your job? I think it's just the pure emotions, whether it's of defeat or just pure exhilaration after a win at any level. It's just witnessing those emotions despite of what's happening across the world. And that's what sports been for me. So that's that's the most exciting bit for me at any match, any sport ever. Just those pure emotions that you feel leaving behind whatever else is happening in your life or in the world. Just that. And what's the most challenging part of the role that you play? The challenging part is for me personally, just the travel, to be very honest. It looks glamorous. It looks amazing. You see a lot of people, you meet a lot of people, but you also lose out on meeting people like you that I could have a year ago, <laughs> you know, so not having a home base and still trying to balance uh, life because uh, just yesterday I spoke to my dad and he's like, you never have time for me. I was like, well, I'm in different time zones. I have no idea. I'm leaving for Hong Kong for women's cricket in five days time. And uh, yeah, and I've been home for three days. So that's the most challenging part to try and find a balance with normal nine to five or general working people who used to be my friends i hope they still are <laughs> yeah i think if not i think if you if you still uh if you're still someone trying to reach out to drew he just start a podcast just start a show <laughs> and then send and then try you still have to try for a year or so but she will say yes but that's one way of getting her but I always said her. yes. So, I always said yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I always you did, said you did, yes. Definitely. It's just the timelines. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No worries. I'm not complaining at all. Um, <laughs> finally, now you've met so many players, so many athletes, and now, like you mentioned, you'd be you'd be in Hong Kong. By the time this episode is out, you'd already be in Hong Kong. Uh, but uh, the the I think that's that's the epitome, right? We all, as fans yeah. growing up, you want to meet the players, you want to have spoken to them, and just to know about their lives. So you've met the big names of cricket, and the who's who's of football as well. So is there any moment that you would like to share over here? Something that you had a fangirl moment, sort of, or maybe a funny incident uh, on the cricket pitch, just like the one that you had when you were watching the game. Oh, but you want some, cricket? But this one, <laughs> yeah. I mean, any of it, which which is which is quite uh, interesting, with with an athlete, with a player. Oh well, that's interesting. Oh well, um, I think one player that's been very special for me in general. I think I don't know if it's interesting to most people or not, but is Vanindu Hasaranga from uh, Sri Lanka, the spin bowler. I've done his first debut game, home game in Sri Lanka, and 
I've seen him win it all after that. And I remember <laughs> because the bugger can't stop winning uh, player of the match. Like he is player of the match at every tournament, bilaterals, uh, all these LPLs, ILT20s and soon enough IPL as well. Everywhere he goes, he's just player of the match. And he couldn't speak a word of English, right? But he's the sweetest little boy I've ever met in the world of cricket, to be very honest. And uh, we are just trying to communicate each other with each other, just with hand actions and just, just like give me something, right? And I remember tutoring him initially that what he must do as an acceptance, just like give us five words, just because the world needs to know who he is. And luckily the world does now. So he's come a long way from just looking at me while he should be looking at the camera and I'm standing behind the camera and just saying thank you and just knowing when to cut away like you asked me to <laughs> stay on for a bit. So yeah, well, uh, it's 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 my journey with Vanindu Hasranga when he couldn't, literally I had to be like, just say thank you to the team and coaches and I'm very proud of if he wants to thank his mother or something. And he, he literally just said thank you and came back and didn't say any of that to the fact that he can sustain a couple of minutes of being question now very well <laughs> so yeah very 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 proud of knowing that man and how far he's come and he recently got married too the big boy so congratulations to him on that yeah that's that's quite sweet i think you also get to be a teacher and a tutor there uh different perks uh, yeah. of being out there on the role that you kind of always don different hats finally yes if i've I may, been saying that for the last if i may there yes please if i may there yes please you know when you said favorite moment i think that's that's one of my favorite moments of working with youth sport because uh we work with these stars you know you were talking about stars and they they're already established it's way tough to get through them as to what they need to do and how they must speak and there's a fear factor with some of them you know when they reach a certain level they're like oh how can you talk to them but when you meet these young guys who you know are going to come into the fold at the senior level and are definitely going to be stars if you teach them then and there because the breadwinner is not just the sport the breadwinner is also the commodity they make of themselves and that's very right. important Absolutely. so i think that's one of my favorite things to be working in this industry that i'm able to communicate with these younger generations that you must not just be great at what you do on the field but even off it so yeah i think that's the big takeaway yeah and uh, i know i've been saying it's my final questions my final question for the past 5 minutes but hey i think uh, i get to ask you one more because given the fact that you've made me wait for a year as uh, i'll keep rubbing that into you but uh, the finally is uh, what are your i'm sure is a lot but your learnings over the years you said you've 2014 is where you kick start this journey almost less than a year in for a decade to hit a decade wow i mean if you're said yes to me next year that would be a perfect episode right celebrating 10 years of juhi but thankfully uh, we can do it again for sure but again coming back to the question your learnings from this journey and you what you would like to share and also if that falls into an encouragement for i'm assuming girls and women listening to the show so if you have or even guys of course So yeah, go for it. Yeah, well, um, my number one learning is patience in this industry. Uh there's a lot of tournaments sprouting everywhere across the world including India and everything looks tempting, but there other than the number of sporting industry uh, events coming up, there are also sporting programs that are coming up. Symbiosis to everyone just there's so many sporting sport management courses coming up so my number one takeaway is having patience because you do good work and 
the rest of it will fall in place. I know it just sounds very dreamy, but it does. Uh, stick your boots to the ground and just just do the work. Uh, that's literally one thing that I didn't have when I was a lawyer. But I think my number one learning is patience as well as, uh, again, very cliched, but I know there's a lot of politics involved and there's a lot of Netflix documentaries about it and Prime, but <laughs> it's still, the sport is the only thing that is recession-proof and it is the only source of happiness in the darkest times of humanity. It is the biggest. So I think whenever I have a tough time, my biggest takeaway from sport is that everything on the field or in life just comes together at the end and win or loss you still learn a lot so yeah practically that again cliche but it is very true yeah i think uh probably i could i could probably name this episode as uh stick your what is everything stick your boots to the ground i think i like that phrase yeah. quite a lot you know so people can figure out and un- and unpackage it while they listen to the episode of what is it about but uh yeah Juhi, thank you so much. And I must say that when when you when she said yes to me, this for the listeners who are listening to this. When she said yes to me, I asked her the first thing is okay, which time zone are you in? Because that's what I need to. Uh, you said yes, fair enough. But to fix the, fix the episode, I need the time zone. But then she was like, I'm in, I'm at home. I'm in Delhi. I was like, ha, sigh. So may you continue to fly high and uh, travel. Yes, it's challenging, but I'm sure. I think uh, the the most exciting part of you getting to meet a lot of people, interacting, and may you continue to tutor. young generations and uh, yeah and may we cross each other's paths very soon but thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show well thank you for having me here and it was long to you and i really hope we actually get a football and get it out the ground and stick our boots to the ground and play hopefully not stick our boots so that we can actually roll the ball and play yeah uh, that we'll see we'll see i mean i i think <laughs> i might just uh, be be a sore loser there but it's fine because i love talking too much that well you still learn but it's fine you still learn yeah you still learn you lose and learn definitely <laughs> yeah yeah thank you once again to all the lovely listeners out there i am assuming there are a lot of you listening to the show I make my assumption into truth this is the totally indian football show available on all the leading audio platforms you can tune into the one that you prefer this is the episode with juhi jamba you don't want to miss it so listen to the episode and uh, let me know what do you think of it you can you know slide into dms into mine into juhi's but but hey you know just if if it's a good thing then you do tell her but if it's bad thing you let me know don't let her know so then she can keep coming back on the show thank you once again guys uh, this is me signing off thank you so much